Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 4th of January 2015, entitled, Why I Believe in Jesus. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Okay, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to John, chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 16 down to verse 21. And I'm going to share with you tonight why I believe in Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 16. If you'd like to stand, please, for the reading of God's word. Verse 16, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Please be seated. I wonder tonight, if somebody was to ask you why you believed in Jesus Christ. Um, Jansen is going to uh, Hong Kong um, in a few days, and it may be that somebody from his university may just come up to him and may just say, Jensen, can you tell me why you believe in Jesus Christ? That may happen to any one of us uh, tomorrow morning. It may happen to somebody uh, from our family or a workmate. Um, and I just wonder, what will be the answer that we will give? Will we say something like, well, I've always been a Christian? Or my mum and dad used to take me to church. And uh, that's the way it's always been. If somebody asks you why you believe in Jesus Christ, what will you say to them? Is it important that we can give an answer and a reason for why we believe what we do? Well, 1 Peter 3 verse 15, Peter tells us that we are to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter makes it very clear that we are to be ready. We don't know when somebody's going to come up and ask us why we have a belief in Jesus Christ, but we're to be ready. Are you ready? You know what you will say to somebody who asks you. The Bible says um, in Peter that we're to give an answer to every man um, that asks the reason of the hope um, that is in you. Um, I'd like to share with you three reasons tonight why I believe in Jesus Christ. And the first one from our reading is found in verse 19 to verse 20, and it's man's condition, man's sinful condition. Let's just see um, what Jesus says about it. In verse 19, Jesus says, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, 
lest his deeds should be reproved. You notice there in verse 19 that the Lord Jesus um, says, because their deeds were evil. That same word is translated works in Galatians chapter 5. If we just keep your fingers in John chapter 3, but look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll see that um, this same word, this same Greek word, has been translated uh, works. And here we see that these two um, things are the same. Um, our deeds are our works. They're the things that we do, okay? And um, Galatians chapter 5, and we have here a description of the works of the flesh. And this is the human nature, okay? Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, verse 21, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now, there's a list here of the works of the flesh. Jesus Christ says in John 3 and verse 19, he says that men love darkness because their deeds were evil, their works that comes from them, okay? Um, I wonder, doesn't that describe the world that we have been living in for 6,000 years? It sure does. Doesn't that describe the sin nature that man has inherited all the way back from Adam in the Garden of Eden? It does. All you have to do is just read the Bible and you'll see uh, that that's the way it's been. And um, the Lord Jesus Christ here in these two verses is saying that men love darkness because they are sinners. Doesn't sound uh, too encouraging, doesn't it? But we have to hear the truth. Before we can be healed um, and before Jesus can heal us, we need to know that we have an illness, okay? He is the great physician. But to be healed, we need to know that we're ill and sick. And um, Jesus Christ is saying that men love darkness because of sin. What is sin? Can anybody give me um, a definition from the Bible? Disobedience. Okay, that's a good explanation of sin. If you're allowed to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, and this is possibly the best verse in the whole of the Bible to tell you uh, what sin is. This is the description Okay, and First uh, John chapter 3 and verse 4. And John, the apostle, he says that whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. That's what sin is. It's the transgression, it's the breaking, it's the crossing over of the law. Which law is that? Well, it's the law of God. He goes on to say, for sin is the transgression of the law. Okay. Um, your ne next time that you see uh, little Zenon, ask him what sin is, and uh, he'll revert you back to this verse. Um, I, I just hope that he, that he will remember when you ask him. But when we ask him in the Bible clubs, he, he will say it's the breaking of God's commandments, his laws, okay? That's what sin is. Um, I wonder, do you realize that each deed that we read in Galatians chapter 5, it's a transgression and it's a violation 
of God's law. All those deeds, all those works of the flesh that we read about is the transgression of God's law. It's sin, okay? Um, how many have sinned? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of, not the pastor, or of you of me. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's God's standards. It's perfection. And it's unobtainable. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and we come short of the glory of God. But what if I've only broken one law? You know? There are a lot of people who try to justify themselves and they try to compare themselves with other people and say, well, look, I'm not as bad as that person down the road. I've not done that, what he did. Well, let's just turn to what, and see what James says. James chapter 2 and verse 10. And this was the scripture that brought my, um, my pastor when I was in Blackpool to the Lord when he realized um, that if he only broke one law, then he was... It was like he broke them all. James chapter 2 and verse 10. And James says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of how many? All. So if you've only broken one law, okay, it's like you've broken them all. We've transgressed against God. We've not reached his perfect standard, okay? And there is no hope of coming into the presence of God in heaven one day. We're going to be shut out because God is holy. Heaven is a holy place. And God says in the Bible, in Habakkuk, that his eyes are too holy to look upon sin, to look upon iniquity. So we see here that man in his, in his unregenerate state is a lost, is guilty, and is a hell-bound sinner. That's what the Bible says. Man is a sinner. But what is the evidence of man's lost condition? Well, just let's have a look again in verse 19. Jesus says that this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. In verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. This is the evidence that man is a sinner. Okay? You can actually see it wherever you go. Uh, it doesn't matter what country you visit, okay, or how um, well respectful people may seem to be. Wherever you go in the world, Jensen, you, you're going to Hong Kong, you'll see it over there, you'll see it down in South America, you'll see it in the Middle East, you'll see it here. It's everywhere. Um, the proof, the evidence that man is lost, okay? Um, I don't know if you uh, turned the news on on New Year's Day. You know, when I turn the news on, New Year's Day, you expect, wow, I wonder if man's going to be any better. You know, this is the start of a new year. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, men have made their resolutions to, um, to, to become better and uh, they're, they're, they're going to act better. And as soon as you turn the news on, what do you hear? Well, I don't know if you were listening on New Year's Day, but um, there was a, an axe and a knife attack at the Belfry Gold, Golf Club of all places. I don't know if you've ever been to the, uh, the Belfry Golf Club, but um, it's a well, you know, people of uh, good reputation um, in business, people with a lot of money, okay? 
And at this, uh, there's a nightclub, I think it's called Bel Air Nightclub, and uh, there was a knife and an axe attack uh, in the early hours of New Year's Day morning. And uh, that's the first bit of news that came on, onto the radio. And it just made me think of, that's the proof. Man is in his, still is in his lost condition. Although we're in a new year, yeah, uh, everything's new. You know, we're looking forward to a new year. Things are going to be better. But we see the evidence and the proof that man is still is in his lost condition. Isn't it funny how when you come into a building or into a room and the curtains are closed and it's dark, as soon as you switch that light on, where does the darkness go? It just flees away, doesn't it? It runs away. The darkness runs from the light. Um, I was talking to a young man yesterday. I call him young. He was 55. I'm not that far away, but I still call him young. And he was just giving me his testimony. Okay, we were in the city centre. And um, he told me that um, he used to be one of the boys, one of the lads at work. And um, he was quite rebellious. And he got into trouble. And he was he was like a leader of it, you know. And... Um, he came to faith. He put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and God got a hold of him and started to change his life around, okay? And, um, you know, before his conversion, he was one of the lads. And, you know, people would feel comfortable around him in, in his sin and the things that he was doing. And um, as soon as he became a Christian, he said that he started to notice a change in the atmosphere around him, in his workmates, you know. And he said that they started to become indifferent to him, okay. And that was because of his conversion. And it just reminded me um, of what the Lord Jesus Christ says here in uh, verse 19. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil, what does that say? Hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. I don't know have you, if you've ever felt the atmosphere change in a room, maybe when you've been at work, or maybe even if you've been in a sitting room somewhere, in a, in a, in a clinic or somewhere, and suddenly you've got your Bible out, and you just sense that the, a change of atmosphere in the room. And, um, you know... I felt this in the workplace when I got my Bible out. And um, it's like you can feel it. You can, you can feel a pin drop, you know, and you can just feel that the atmosphere changes. Even if you start to talk about Jesus and um, there, there, there is um, a change uh, of atmosphere in the room. Um, why is it that non-Christians often feel uncomfortable around Christians? Well, verse 20, I believe, Jesus gives us here the reason why. He says, lest his deeds should be reproved. It's simple. Light and darkness. The two don't go together. Okay? Um, when light comes into the room, the darkness wants to go. Okay? And spiritually speaking, it's the same when Christians are amongst non-Christians. It should be the way. Um, it's not always the way, but it should be the way. And um, if we're living lives that are pleasing to God, it will be the way. Um, 
And we will, we will sense that in, in the workplaces and the uh, places that we, we, we will go, and as soon as we talk about Jesus or we get the Bible out or attract, start to talk with someone about Jesus, um, you know, often the atmosphere will change. And um, quite often it can be a negative attitude as well. I remember um, only a, a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, I, um, I thought I would invite a work um, colleague to um, to church, you know, and um, I thought, you know, I, I I really wanted, you know, that he would he would hear a good message, and that he he would have a blessed time, uh, and he would hear about Jesus Christ, and um, he was um, he was in his truck, and uh, he was just about to go, and I, I knocked on his cab door, and he opens his door, it took a few minutes to open, but he you know. I did have a, an invitation in my hand, and I gave it to him, and I said, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to um, invite you to church on the Christmas Day. And he looked at me with almost disdain in his face, and he said, uh, I'm an atheist. I don't want to come to church. And that's basically all he said to me, and just left. And, um, you know, I was really surprised. But should we be surprised, you know? This, this is what happens. And um, Jesus says, lest his deeds should be reproved. Um, I wonder this evening, I wonder, do non-Christians, do they ever feel uncomfortable around you? Um, we don't want to shun people away. We don't. We want, we want to uh, get close to people and we want to invite them to church. We want them to know that there's a place where that they will be loved. Um, but does it happen? And sometimes maybe when you get your Bible out. Um, I've, I've, I've sensed this even sitting in my cab, reading my Bible, and another person being in another truck at the side of me, looking and seeing, looking at me reading my Bible. And I, I've known that not long after, that there, that there was an atmosphere change. There was, um, I could feel it because it seen me reading my Bible. Um, does that ever happen? Has it ever happened to us? Well, we shouldn't be surprised if it does. Um, or does our lifestyle, does it fit in very well with the world? Do we really, do, do we fit in with the world? Do people of the world who are involved in doing ungodly things, do they feel quite satisfied to be around us and comfortable? Um, only we personally can answer that question for ourselves, can't we? Um, you know, nobody has ever given me a better explanation as to why men hate the light and love darkness other than what the Lord Jesus Christ says here in John chapter 3. Jesus is right. He's right. So the first reason I believe in Jesus, and you can write these down if you want. They're all got C, all the different points. The first one is man's condition. The second one is man's condemnation. Let's just have a look in verse 18. This is the second reason why I believe um, in Jesus Christ. It's because of what he says about man's condemnation. Verse 18, he says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And we see here that there is a, a judicial sentence that Jesus Christ 
says is upon man who does not believe in him. Um, he says, he that believeth not is condemned already. Isn't that interesting? That this condemnation is a present state. He's not just talking about the future condemnation, but he's talking about something that's already here. It's present. It was present 2,000 years ago in the days of Jesus. Um, you know that the cemeteries and the hospitals, they cry out, Jesus is right! They do. If people could cry out from their graves, they would say, Jesus is right. This is why there is a cemetery down the road. This is why there are sick people in hospitals. Why, this, why, why are these places here? Well, it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. Um, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Sin pays its wages and it's death. Um, and that's why we get sick. And that's why we die. And you see here, Jesus is saying that he that believeth not is condemned already. That condemnation came all the way back from the Garden of Eden. You remember what God said to the first man? Let's just keep your fingers back in, John, but look to uh, Genesis chapter 2. And this is quite interesting because this is prophetic, what, Jesus, what, what God is saying here. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. And um, remember that the Lord God is speaking to man and he says, and he's telling him what he is to do. He's laying down the law to him and he's telling him what is good and evil. And he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt, what's the next word? Surely die. Okay. And it's like God knew the future, isn't it? Do you think that God knew that Adam was going to sin in the garden? Or do you think that it took God by surprise? No, God knew. And he had a plan. He had a plan back in eternity because he knew that man would disobey him in the Garden of Eden and that that sentence upon man of death would be passed upon all men. That's why we die. You know, from the day that we're born, we're not getting any younger, but we're getting older. And we're all heading to the grave, and except the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and he takes the Christians out of here. The Bible says that it's appointed unto men once to die and after the judgment. We can't escape this appointment except it be through the rapture. The Lord Jesus Christ takes us out of here. But God is saying that thou shalt surely die. Let's just have a look what happened next in Genesis 3 and verse 9. And we know that um, Adam had already um, taken of that uh, fruit. He disobeyed God. And the Lord God called unto Adam in verse 9 and said unto him, Where art thou? And the Lord God, and he said, this is Adam, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I, what's the next word? Hid myself. Isn't it funny how Adam, as soon as he sinned, he hid himself away from the light, from God. God is light. 
But because of his sin, he felt guilty and his conscience bothered him. Just like what we're reading here in John 3, you know, lest his deeds should be reproved. Adam knew that he sinned. He knew he'd done wrong, but he wanted to hide away from God. He wanted to hide from the light, okay? God knew where he was, and he was lost. And in that day, the Bible says that he died. He, didn't, he, he lived 900 years, over 900 years, but he started the process in his physical body to die. And, um, you know, it's wonderful that in chapter 3 of Genesis, that God came up with a plan of redemption for mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the seed of the woman. And we were thinking, weren't we, a few weeks ago about the virgin birth, about Jesus Christ being born of the virgin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And wonderful, God's love. He knew what was going to happen, and he had it all planned that the Lord Jesus Christ would come and redeem mankind. But Adam hid from the light. Um, you know that you can't postpone death behind wrinkle creams. Now, I don't know how many people here tonight have got secretly stashed away in their bathroom, and they've got some wrinkle cream there, they've got some toner, they've got whatever, to masking, mascara, what do they call it? Mascara, things like that, you know. Maybe men are also vain as well, I don't know. But, um, you know, sometimes you have to cover the marks up, but you're not going to stop the process of death. You won't. I don't know if it was Michael Jackson, but um, I think um, they try to come up with um, an idea that if they could preserve a dead body, and I'm not sure if it's Michael Jackson, it might have been, that they were thinking of preserving his body um, in a state that when they got the cure for death, that they will be able to revive him. And um, I don't know if you've heard that, but I, 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 I heard it years ago. It might not have been Michael Jackson, but I know Michael Jackson used to go around with a mask on his, on his face and they used to, um, he used to um, uh, hide away in some cocoon, like, didn't he, to try and get fresh air and, you know, and not be contaminated by you know, um, the air in the world and all that. But whatever man, man tries, yeah, whatever ideas he comes up with, he's not going to come up with an idea that's going to say, this cream is going to stop you from dying. It's just not going to happen. The Bible says it's appointed unto men wants to die. And we need to get real. We need to listen to what Jesus says. Not only is there a um, present condemnation, but there's also going to be a future one. And the Bible makes it clear that one day, every Christ rejecter, even those who come to church, will receive their judicial sentence. You know, God is a righteous judge. And one day, yesterday I was in the city center, and I was preaching about, the judgment day. And people were coming past me and they were saying, oh, we don't believe all that. Why do you have to talk about hell? And I basically said, well, the reason I talk about hell is because Jesus wants to warn us not to go there. That's the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, 
He didn't come here just to show us how to live. He came to save us. We were thinking a few weeks ago of that verse. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am chief. And we need to accept the fact that we're all guilty. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 23, he says, And then will I profess unto them. Notice that it's going to be Jesus Christ who men and women are going to be facing one day with their sin. Jesus Christ says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus Christ knows everything. We can't hide anything from God. God sees everything. The Bible says that God's eyes run to and fro upon the earth, and he sees it all, and he knows he knows what goes on in, 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 in the darkness. He, can, he knows what goes on in our homes and our places of work. He sees it all. We can't hide anything from God. And you know, when we think about justice in the world that we're living in today, we often see that people get away with things, don't we? You know, people have committed great crimes and they seem to get off so lightly and you think, how did that happen? You know? But one day it's not going to be like that with God. You know, there are many people who have got away with um, things in this world, in this life, even in some of our generations. And, you know, when I think back to the Holocaust, the war, you know that many of those Nazi um, Nazis got away and went down to South America and, um, you know, lived a life without facing any... Um, any judgments, any courts of law, and they lived a full life and they just died. And many people will say, well, where, where's the justice in all that? Well, justice is not 100% complete in this lifetime. It's not. But one day it will be. And men will have to stand and give an account of their life before a holy God. I wonder if this was your last day, where would you go? Once you died, do you know? That's the most important question that you need to ask yourself. Do you know? Do you know how you can find forgiveness of sins? Well, if you don't, let me just show you a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's part of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's why he came into this world. He came to shed his precious blood. We've been thinking tonight, we've been singing it. The blood, it's the blood that washes, that washes me, whiter than snow. And that blood can wash you tonight of your sin. It can cleanse you and lift that condemnation and that separation from a holy God and bring you into his presence for you to have a relationship with him. Isn't that wonderful? Why would anyone not want that? And it's on offer. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now, present tense, not in the future, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus tonight? Do you know him as your personal saviour? Well, if you do, this promises for you that that condemnation has been lifted and you are not going to be condemned for your sin 
because Christ Jesus was condemned and he died for your sins. He took the punishment and he paid the price. Wonderful. The moment that we are converted, that judicial sentence and that separation is lifted. That is good news tonight. If you want to shout out hallelujah, please don't be, don't keep it quiet. Hallelujah. That is good news. So we see man's condition, man's condemnation, but the third reason why I believe in Jesus Christ is because of what Jesus says about man's conversion. Let's see in verse 16. Man needs to be converted. And this is not something that can be bought. It's not something that we can receive from a godly person, you know. This is not something that we can work up in our own strength, you know. This is a miracle that has to come from God. Man's conversion. Verse 16, most precious verse in the whole of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you know that nobody has a better explanation as to the payment of sin. I have not heard one. I've been a Christian 24, year, 24 and a half years now, and I've been on the streets speaking with people from different religions and different backgrounds, and I've never heard a better explanation as to why, man's, why man is a sinner, where he's heading, and man's conversion, what the payments for sin is. And you know that most people, if not all, you know what the answer is for, man's, for, for the payment of man's sin? It's his good works. You take any religion, any false religion, and any false teacher, yeah, the way of salvation is what you can do to get yourself to God. I hear it all the time in the streets. Yesterday we, we, we met a, a young man, a Muslim man, and... Um, you know, he tried to, you know, he was saying, uh, do, do, do you read, have you read the Quran? You know, and uh, my friend says to me, well, wh why, why do I need to read the Quran? You know, Jesus never said that I needed to read the Quran. You know, he said that the last book of Revelations, you know, that's it. And it is. There is no, there, there, there is no addition to God's way of salvation. You're not going to find another book called the Bible, the Word of God, that's going to have another way of salvation. Um, there's not going to be any other payments, you see, because Jesus has done it already. And that's good news for us tonight. It is. And I'm going to share with you why it's good. Let's just turn to Titus chapter 3. And if you just turn to verse 5, and Titus, uh, Paul is saying here to Titus, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Okay? We like to... We like to work to be accepted before God and to become righteous. But Paul is saying that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, and it's an inside job. Conversion comes from the inside. Regeneration and renewing, and it comes from of the Holy Ghost. That's where conversion comes from. It comes from God. And I'm glad about that tonight. 
that I don't have to try and work my way to heaven. Because if I try to work my way to heaven, I'll be very miserable. And you know, there are a lot of miserable, miserable religious people out, out of those doors tonight who just, they don't know where they're going. They don't. And it's dependent upon them, their selves. And they know that they fail. Their conscience tells them. Somebody once said that only somebody who isn't in trouble can help the one who is. I don't know if you listened to the news last night, but there was um, a boat, I think it's from Cyprus, a Cyprian uh, boat with lots of sailors on it, <coughs> capsized, uh, got into trouble in the North Sea. And I don't know what the latest news is, but um, um, all on board were lost in the sea. And they were thinking of um, uh, postponing the, uh, the, the, the search for them until the morning, until the light. I don't know what happened to them. But you see, all these men that were in the boat, wouldn't it be hopeless for them to look to one another and say, save me, help me to get out of here? Why? Because they're all in the same predicament. They're all in trouble. You see, the only one that can save these people is the one who's not in trouble, the one who is outside of the boat, the one who maybe is coming from the helicopter from above and comes down and fetches them out of the water. He's the only one who can save them. Maybe another person in the boat, but the only one that can save somebody who's in trouble is the one who's not in trouble himself. And this reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you notice a wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read that there's somebody here who's not in trouble with sin. He never has been, never will be. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin. For us, This is talking about God the Father has made Jesus to be sin for us. When Jesus hung on the cross, he became sin for us. Okay? That's why when Christ was on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Okay? He became sin. Notice it says, who knew no sin. Jesus Christ never knew any sin. That we you and me, might become, sorry, might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that's God's plan. That's God's desire that we become righteous. But that can only happen in him, in Jesus Christ. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus Christ, unlike any other man who has ever lived, knew no sin. You know, you talk to um, religious people, you talk to Muslims, and uh, you ask them about prophets, um, you know, you ask them about Moses, you ask them about King David and, and different um, uh, holy men in the Bible. Um, if you ask them, were they sinners? They will say, no, they weren't sinners. These were holy men of God. Whereas if you read the lives of some of these men, you will see that they were sinners and they had broken God's commandments. David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. Moses murdered somebody. Noah was a drunk. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he is set apart from everybody else. He's holy. And he was without sin. And that is good news for us tonight. That's good news. Because he's the only one 
who can reach down and save us out of that trouble, out of that sin and out of that condemnation. And he's done it for us. Let's just turn to Romans chapter 5 and just one one or two verses more. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful? That Christ, in our lost condition, Christ came to us to save us. We didn't go run into him, but he came to us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Verse 8, sorry, verse 9 says, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Wonderful. That is wonderful. And verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And that's God's desire tonight, that you, if you've never known Jesus Christ as your saviour, his desire is that you are made righteous. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. That's great. Um, Man's way is pride, but let's just have a look at conversion, how it is a miracle of God. You know that, isn't it strange that how you start to have a love for the things of God? Once we become Christians, we start to have a desire and an interest and a love for the things of God, which we never had before. You know, that's a miracle. You, You can't work that one up. It just it goes against the human nature completely. I can't believe 24 years ago that I'm in a church. I'm in a pulpit preaching. I can't believe that. What desire would I have had over 24 years ago to be in God's house two times on a Sunday? It just was not there. Believe me, it was not there. But my mum, she, she, she used to be a Sunday school teacher for many years. She'd never been converted. She believed the stories, but she was not a Christian. She was not born again. But she brought my, my brother and myself up in the church, going to Sunday school, and I can tell you that I got to a certain age, it was probably about six or seven, where I just said to myself, I don't want to be here anymore. This is boring. I did. And eventually I just stopped going. Um, my mum, maybe she just gave in. I don't know if my mum stopped going. I, I can't remember now. But we just drifted off, drifted away. And it wasn't until I was 24 that I got converted. You can read my testimony at the back of the table there. My mum and myself, isn't it incredible? On the same day, we got down on our knees in our front living room in my mum's house and we, we said a prayer we said, Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I believe that you die for me. Make me a Christian in Jesus' name. 24 years ago, and I've never looked back. And you know, God has he's done great things. But one of the greatest miracles in my life is probably the Word of God. Before, this was a dead, closed book. There was a Bible in the house. Did I ever go to it? Only by mistake. 
I can remember as a young child just looking at the pictures in it. I was never one for reading either. But you know, ever since I've become a Christian, God has given me a more of a love for his Bible, for his word, every single day. I have a desire in the morning to get up and to read his word before I even go out to work. That's not natural. Well, that's conversion. And I'm sure you can tell me the same stories this evening. Those things have happened to you. You know, one of the first things that I did when I became a Christian, and I loved rock music. I did. I loved it so much that you can, next time my mum's in this church, she will, she, I'm, I'm a dad, they will tell you that, my, that the windows in my bedroom, they used to shake every night. I used to turn the, the volume up so loud. I was listening to ACDC music. They were my band. I, I loved them. I had all the albums. I collected them. The only thing I hadn't done was gone to see them in concert. But if I ever got the opportunity, I would have gone. And you know that when I became a born-again Christian, not long after, I took all my records, including my ACDC records, and I put them in the bin. Somebody took them out a few hours later. But that's not, that's not natural. That wasn't me. But that's conversion. The things that we loved before, the things that we loved to do before, we, we no longer have a desire to love those things anymore. That's conversion. It's a miracle. I'm sure you could share some testimonies yourselves as well. Um, in verse 21, notice what Jesus says in John 3. And this is another reason. Well, this is, one of the, re this is the reason why I believe that Jesus, in Jesus Christ and that he is instrumental in man's conversion. And um, he says in verse 21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. And, you know, that's what I did 24 years ago. That's why I threw my records in the bin, because I knew they weren't pleasing to God. And he's, Jesus says here, He that doeth truth cometh to the light. And when you come to the light, those things of darkness get pushed behind you. Let's just have a look what um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says about the person who is born again. He becomes a, a new creature in Jesus Christ. This is one of the first verses I ever learned as a Christian. And this spoke to me about what had happened to me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what happens when you get converted. Wonderful. Why do I believe in Jesus Christ? Well, for me, it's because only Jesus Christ has the answer to man's condition, his condemnation, and thirdly, his conversion. Nobody else has the answers. I've not heard them, but I've heard what Jesus says, and they work. He's right. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for your precious word tonight. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the center of what we've been thinking about tonight. Well, we think about our condition. Lord, you tell us in the Bible that we are lost. We are sinners. But Lord, there is also a condemnation. We can't just leave this life and just leave our sin behind us because we are accountable for the way we live our lives. And one day, the Bible says that everyone who has rejected Jesus Christ 
will give an account. But Lord, we thank you tonight for man's conversion. We thank you that Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he's paid the price. And the Bible says, therefore there is, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Oh Lord, if there's one in this room tonight who's hearing this message, who's never been converted, we pray that tonight they will get down on their knees and ask Jesus to be their personal saviour and know that Jesus is right. And Lord, for those of us who are Christians, help us to live those lives that shine for Jesus and bring other people to him. Amen. Amen.